Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello, Internet. Dave. Hello. And Internet. Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good thing. So good. Craig. There's a there's a lot of good. Yes. I am good, thank you. Um guys, out on the East Coast here, uh it is late March as we record this particular episode, and it is really nice out. So my good thing this week is go outside. If the weather is nice, go for a walk. Go to your local park. Go take a walk down the sidewalk or something. Enjoy the weather. Get a little bit of exercise because it is super nice out. It's just good to to get a little bit of sun. Not too much sun. A little bit of sun. Maybe when you guys are listening to us at summertime, you can still go out for a walk. Just earlier but, in the day. Yeah, earlier in the day, wear sunscreen if it's, if it's uh, too sunny out. But just go out, guys. I just took a walk. My wife and I and, and the baby... Um, she falls asleep in the stroller, which is just the thing. Um, but we got to, you know, go for a walk in the park and it's really cool. And we're going to try to make a, make this a weekly thing. Cause it's, it's good to get some exposure out, especially we are still in the middle of the pandemic as, as of this recording, but you can go outside. You, it's very, very unlikely to spread the disease that way. So go for a walk, go enjoy. That's it. And That's mask my, up my if, service announcement. Mask up if people uh, come near you. Sure. I second that. It's really nice here, too. All right. So, Dave, good? Uh, my good thing this week is a YouTube channel called Game Maker's Toolkit. It's some British or something guy that talks about uh, video games and analyzes different aspects of design. Uh, I linked in Discord a playlist called Boss Keys, or he's started off particularly going over specific dungeon designs in Zelda games. How, you know, like... Oh, Zelda 1, it's all about the exploration and, like, trying bombs and stuff. And then, like, in Link to the Past, they branched out and they kind of get you used to the idea of a 3D space. Then in Link's Awakening, you were actually, in t like, the entire d dungeon from start to finish is designed with the uh, with the dungeon item in mind. And, like, you have to go and kind of re-explore and, like... Each, and one of the things you said it was cool is like in in Link's Awakening, each dungeon is kind of like a mini Metroidvania because you're passing by obstacles that you don't quite know how to deal with yet, and then you find the dungeon item, and then you have to recall all the spots and like backtrack uh, in a good way because none of the dungeons are too huge. But um, yeah, just a really cool game analysis channel with a particular focus on Zelda dungeons with that playlist. Oh, that sounds really column. cool. I've watched a few of their videos there. They're pretty interesting. Anytime there's an analysis of like a video game in-depth analysis, yeah. pretty good. Definitely a British-sounding guy. <laughs> that, that tends that, to be the case, yes. It sounds It makes fun, it sound though. more official. That, that's, um, that's the thing that I love about Zelda games. It's the way that you, know, you may not know how to solve the puzzle until you get the item, and then you have to figure out, you know, you have to go back and look at things again. I think my favorite, like, as far as puzzle goes, uh, dungeons from um, a Zelda game was the 
in Twilight Princess, there's this one tower where you have to like go up to the top of the tower, then use a Dominion Rod to get like this giant statue to and bring it back down with you or something like that. I don't, I don't or is it the other way? I don't remember exactly, but something like that. That was one of my favorites. I remember that one. Um, in Twilight Princess, the one that blew my mind was um, the sand dungeon where you get the spinner. Oh, man. Because that was, it was just so unlike any item from any other Zelda game. And it was just so fast and like, wee! I mean, it, it blew my mind. And, and the boss fight at the end of that, yeah, that cool. mind was blown. There was another one that got me in uh, Skyward Sword. I, I don't remember the details because it's been so long, but you, you have to collapse the, the entire dungeon somehow. Like, there's stuff going on in the basement, and there's, like, zombie moblins, and uh, and and then you collapse the dungeon. I, I, I don't remember this. I'm not describing it well, but um, I'm going to play Skyward Sword again pretty soon when, you know, the when you can one comes it. out. It's coming out? Coming out on Switch? Yeah. Oh. They, like... they announced it for the uh, 35th anniversary um, last I can finally play it. I've never played Skyward Sword. Um, oh, it, it was gorgeous. I I love Skyward Sword. It was... Didn't Tycho and Gabe make a promotional comic for that? They did, yes. Yes. I haven't thought about that in a while. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty cool for them. Well... When it came out, it was for the um, it was around the Zelda 25th anniversary, and there was a 25th anniversary edition that came with um, a, a symphony soundtrack. And uh, I've I've still got that CD in my car. Like whenever I don't feel like plugging in my phone and listening to whatever audiobook or whatever, I just hit the CD mm-hmm. button and I'm listening to like Gerudo Valley. The only Skyward Sword adjacent thing i have is the hyrule historia which was like half just like overall zelda stuff and it had the official zelda timeline uh and then the other half was just like a really long ad for skyward sword i want to get that as a book book i have the ebook it came with the um i think wind waker hd but uh yeah they they gave you a download code if you pre-ordered i think again that was a long time ago but I love the look of it because it, you know it's all leather bound and gorgeous with the the gilt pages and yeah, it's I also want gigantic it. like yes, not thick, just just like you know length and width. And in us. addition <laughs> to the Hyrule Historia, which is green, there's also a red book and a blue book. One of them's like items and artifacts, I think, and I don't remember what the other one is, but you could get the whole set and it would look really good on a shelf. And you know what? I think I know what I need Ooh, to do next time I, I get know. some money. Guide to Kanto. That was the other one. So, late fees, Tori. Late fees. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. Uh, Alright, so my good thing... I think I've done this one before, but I'm doing it again. Final Fantasy X. Hooray! So, the things I like about FF X are... Um, like, mechanically, it's the most interesting Final Fantasy to me. Um, because, like, the game can be broken up into three basic segments. So, the first segment is just the story stuff. But mechanically... All the fights are really, really interesting. You're not just mashing A to attack every turn because the like the enemies break down into different groups that like each of your characters is better or worse at fighting. So like every fight is like a rock paper scissors thing, and it's very cool. And then part two is when you get to the calm lands, and like parts two and three are completely optional. You don't have to do them. You can just do the story. Uh, but once you get to the calm lands, you get the monster arena 
you get capture weapons. Now you have to figure out how to go back and beat every monster at least ten times physically. Like, some monsters are great for that. Like, you just give the right weapon to the right person and no problem. But, like, there's a bunch of them that rely on, you know, magic. Or maybe you've been leaning on Yuna's summons to get you through stuff. And just, you have to sort of rethink how to do And then part three is, once you've done all that, and you're, you know, stat grinding, and you're going for super bosses, then it's its own brand new thing. So, Final Fantasy X. Great game. And Blitzball. Don't forget Blitzball. Um, well, I, rec- I recruited Brother, and he breaks the game. Like, he's too good. I love Blitzball. I can't actually lose or let the opponent score a point against me. I've tried. No team is capable of scoring against me now. So, like, the worst I can do is tie if I choose so, not to score anything. Final Fantasy X has soccer instead of a card game. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It also has just, like, straight up some of the most frustrating minigames in any Final Fantasy, period. So, like, Blitzball, even if you enjoy it, takes forever. It It's just a time suck. And then, like, all the other stuff you have to do for the Celestial Weapons is just annoying. Like, Tidus's Chocobo races are the most frustrating thing. They're extraordinarily difficult and RNG-heavy. The butterfly thing for... Kimari's celestial weapon is annoying until you get it, and then you don't have to do it again, so it stops being annoying. Lightning dodging just sucks. So, yeah. But if you take that stuff out, Final Fantasy X is amazing. Well, and those parts are optional. Indeed. I haven't done any of them. I'm using the three characters that don't need annoying things for for their celestial weapons. Okay. Either everybody hung up, or nobody's talking about this. So, Tori, I think it's your turn. I'm on vacation. Yay. Yay. Nice. Yeah. Um, ah. My boss, Jesse, shout out to Jesse. He doesn't listen to the show, but he's amazing. And he was like, Tori, you have a whole lot of vacation days. And like, there's no policy against having a whole lot of vacation days. But he was like, this is a tragedy. You should use these. So um, we worked on the schedule together so that I could have two whole weeks off. Yeah. And wow. So that started on Friday night after I got off work, and so far I've just had the weekend, which, you know, normally I have weekends off, but I just feel so excited about it. Yeah. Yesterday and today I worked in the garden. I'm going to try and work in the garden every day that it's not raining, and um, been, I've got a pile of books to read, and I've got a list of movies to watch, and um, yeah, I'm on vacation. Yeah, I figured gardening would weigh heavily into that. Yes, because as as Craig pointed out, it's really nice outside, you guys. Really nice. So I was out there moving stuff around and digging and raking things. And yeah, it's going to look so good, you guys. It's going to look so good. Well, remind me after we get done recording and I will open the window in my office. Okay. Except never mind, there's a hole in the screen and I don't want a cat to try to bust through that Kool-Aid man style, so... Maybe I'll turn on a fan. You could open it just a little tiny bit. No, that I can. Our windows are weird. Anywho, uh, Dave. It me. Uh, you read some interludes and a chapter today? Yup, interludes 12 through chapter 76. In Brandon Sanderson's Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. Interlude 12. Lon, digiting, martyr pie. Oh, man. Uh... Is that it? <laughs> Who's Lon? 
Oh, this is a queen. Okay, this is like the queen's head ardent. All right, <laughs> I, it's coming back to me. It's coming back to me. Another no, chapter no, 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 they forgot. Like, cobbler. Lawn is... What is lawn, and it's grass in your front yard. Uh, yeah, it's the queen's front yard. Elokar's wife, whose name I didn't write down the first time, and certainly not the second time. Um, hang on, Craig. What? Asadon's wife? Not Asadon. What? A... Elokar's wife. Elokar. Asadon? Yeah, I gave it away. I'm sorry. You're welcome. The... Is it Asadon? It is. A suit on? Surely is a no hat on? She has her birthday suit on underneath all her clothes. So her name is a suit on. It makes sense. Shut up. You can't prove it. Doesn't. Uh, so there's this new ardent uh, coming to join the Queen's ardent squad. Her name is Pi, and she's she's like she's like uh. Trying to out Queen Asudan as like a Marie Antoinette or something and kills herself, makes a martyr out of herself to kind of prove the point that uh, the that the royalty and nobility are living in luxury upon the broken backs of the proletariats. And yeah, and all of the ardents that are supposed to be holding her to a higher moral authority are basically just yes men and just living lazy luxurious lives there you have it interlude 12 any questions so this is our first look at kolinar oh this is the first time we've been there the home planet yeah well isn't or, uh hearthstone or, kolinar? or no alethkar is the country never mind yeah kolinar is the capital city of Alith. yeah pretty uh seems pretty luxurious well if you're one of the queen's ardents sure i am all right then so i guess next interlude Interlude 13, a part to play. Disaster? No, it is perfect. Storm will blow the wrong way. Rhythm of craving. All right, we get our Eshenai interlude here. And there's a new rhythm. The rhythm of craving. It's like the rhythm of anticipation, but much more violent. And uh, so when they take on the storm form and summon the storm, it'll actually blow from west to east, they're saying. Uh, so that's gonna, that's gonna be tough for Dalinar to deal with, I think. No, we're just at the, like, staging area getting ready for Dalinar to invade the Parshendi lands, and everyone's getting on their storm form and attuning the rhythm of craving. Or at least Eshenai's attuning the rhythm of craving. But the interesting thing is that her sister Venli is, uh, handling the storm form a lot more calmly, like it fits her better, or she's better control of her emotions even while in storm form so that's another kind of key point in the chapter these are short interludes you guys they are i wonder if the next one will be a little bit longer it is quite a bit longer interlude 14 taravangian he old top 10 anime <laughs> betrayals taravangian's body against himself taravangian gives himself a math test to see if he's fit for rule average intelligence today Taravangian may serve, but he may not offer binding commentary on the schedule of the Cosmere Deep Dive podcast. That's right. Which is written on the walls, apparently. And I wonder if Tori's diagram is also written on the walls in her house. I plead the fifth. <laughs> and she ran out of room and she starts scribbling in, in the corner and a little on the ceiling there. Uh, uh, death rattles, which um, I wasn't sure what that meant when I first saw the term, but then toward the end of the, the interlude, I was like, oh, right, that's was you know he had people on their deathbeds and writing down their final words as they were dying so he 
calls them death rattles. Uh, shall we suspend the murders? The Cosmere Deep Dova podcast knew no boundaries. Dova is one of the uh, people holding to the diagram. Um, I forget what they they did, but they know no boundaries. None of the diagrammers know any boundaries, except for the walls in Taravangian's house where he wrote them, probably. Taravangian invented standardized tests. Are we sure he's not Azish? Then I realized he was only giving himself the standardized test, I think. Maybe it's not. standardized against him, so it's uh, valid. It is a very Azish thing to do. It is. Fabrizan's conundrum. And I wonder, is this the... Is, I don't know who Fabrizan is, and I don't know what their conundrum is, but is this the person what came up with... They named them Fabrials after this person, Fabrizan? That's, or they a, just, that's a good theory. Is it just uh, they call them Fabrials because they're able to fabricate things? Or are they actually named after this person, Fabrizan? That's a good theory. Do you know the answer? No. Okay. You should put it in Dave theory. Wait, what, what's the question? I might know. Are, are Fabrials named after Fabrizan? Oh, okay. That means no, I don't know. know. We can ask Brandon when he becomes a guest star on our podcast. No, we got more important questions to ask him. Yeah, like Malatium. What's a half beat? Yeah, what about that Malatium, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> How come Vin's so dumb? <laughs> what happened to the pizza? Yeah, it's true. We haven't heard from the pizza in a long time. In like in like ten books. Um, alright, so Tyravangian tried to institute an unplugging. So on one of his smarter days he uh tried to pass an edict for people to unplug themselves. The dumber people, so that they because, you know, uh that's not good, you guys. Because the average intelligence would go up. Uh, he did the math on it. It looked good on paper. Yeah, people that are good at math think that intelligence is quantifiable in a way that I'm not 100% convinced is. But I so, don't know. Just, just so we're all on the same page here, eugenics, we are opposed to, right? Just correct. as a podcast, we are anti-eugenics. Yeah, that is correct. Tori, yes, you're being awfully true. quiet here. I was typing something. Uh, yes, anti-eugenics, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tori's busy talking about Mario Kart, which is much more important. Yeah, Texas Blade and I are having this whole conversation in the in the chat right now. Uh, Fractal Doggo asks if eugenics was named after a guy named Eugene. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, hey, if you guys want to talk about Mario Kart, and probably not eugenics, then you can join our Discord, which you can find on our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash CosmereCast. You got it, Craig. I don't yeah. know that you've ever actually said that on the podcast before. I... <laughs> it's okay. Well, you clearly haven't been paying attention, even though you actually do the recordings. No, no, no. You start it, and then you don't give the, the Patreon address, and then I give it. All right. Well, when you get to the more recent episode, you'll you'll hear that I've been doing it. Okay. But at uh, your request, of course, and that way you don't have to be like, Craig, why didn't you say the, the name of the Patreon? Alright, so next is one of maybe one of my favorite all-time Cosmere lines. Aren't you stupid today? <laughs> 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 That's uh, King Taravangian's advisor slash longtime friend that, you know, I think she's not the one administering the test, but she's just kind of like helping him out here. And he's coming up with, like, you know, ways to 
be smart about politics and stuff. And wait, aren't you stupid today? Like, yeah, no, the one I'm... who does the test is morale. He's like a guard. Yeah. Or, or no, yeah, he's a bodyguard, and he's also like the one who administers the test. All right. But you're um, talking about Adratasia. Yeah. Who has the biggest BFF vibe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, aren't you stupid today, main character who will get married and I'm going to end up with the lame sidekick of the male interest? What? She's the BFF. That's how romance movies work. But Terramangian is a main character. He is in this interlude. It's named after him. That's true. In this chapter, he is the main character. Everybody's the hero of their own story. We're getting to that. All right. The thrill. Uh, Nergal and Mulek. Mulak. I don't know who they are. Uh, intelligence and compassion are inversely proportional, at least for Kingy. And yeah, um, that's kind of where the eugenics thingy came in as well. Uh oh, Seth is here. Panic emoji. And I don't know what like the best panic emoji is. I actually like. What's the one called that's like two dots with like a straight horizontal line? It's not really panicky, but that's kind of the first one that came to mind. But I didn't see. I typed in panic in my emoji search and I didn't get anything. So I just. But what's that one called with the straight line? I don't what? know the names of any emoji. Yeah, Colin has like... a surge binder. I'm, I'm, too I'm too old for this. So we get a big plot twist that uh, the Dalinar Colin has a surge binder on his team. Uh, Taravangian, among others, suspects Ooh, that Yasna faked her death. <laughs> I'm the others. I don't know. How do you feel about that, Dave? <laughs> I, I mean, if he's if he thought about it on one, on one of his diagramming days, which I guess the diagram was one day, but if it was one of his smarter days and he said that, then yeah. Actually, diagram Taravangian probably predicted that uh, Yasna would fake her death. Okay, just, just because he's smart on a day doesn't mean he's infallible. True. But he's pretty darn close. He even uh, he even knows how to find surge binders and writes it into the diagram. Uh, half a wit is enough to devise a lie about a missing honor blade. So, yeah, Seth is like, what's up, bro? I'm not truthless. I found another surge binder. And Tyra Vantrian's like, what, what? No, that's uh, he's stolen honor blade. That's why he's able to... To the things that you do. And he's got one of the two healing honor blades. And Seth is like, oh, okay, I'm truthless. I'll go kill <laughs> Kaladin. And the king's like, no, don't kill the surge binder. Go just kill Dol- Dalinar. Don't, don't, just try to avoid the surge binder. Um, he doesn't, Seth obviously doesn't know that it's Kal- Kaladin's name or anything and doesn't give any more details on. Actually, why doesn't Tyravangian kind of press? Uh, Seth for details on the surge binder. All he gets out of him is the gender of the surge binder, which eliminated Yasna and Shalon, so, like, good. But I don't know why he didn't try to get more info out of Seth about who the surge binder was. Um, all right, the well, diagram... As, as we continue the discussion. I well, so the diagram... on it. Go on. Um, that Teravangian doesn't consider Seth a an intelligence source. Okay. That's he, has, he has those. He also doesn't want to spend extended time with Seth in public. Or at all. <laughs> but especially in public, he doesn't want to be seen with Seth. Right. But uh, yeah, just, so, he has other people to do that job. Yeah. Uh, so the diagram had predicted Kaladin, or that Surge Binders would appear at least. 
And, you know, he's like, look for people that survive that shouldn't survive. And so he remembers stories about uh, Dalinar adopting the bridge crew. And he's like, surely there will be one specific member of the of the bridge crews that people talk about as being Stormblessed or yada yada. So he's going to find out that Kaladin was a surge binder pretty soon. But Kaladin ain't a surge binder anymore, so it's no big deal. And all right, Bastard kills the king. That's the heterochromatic dude. Um, kills the king of Yakaved, I think. Kind of like he, uh, the uh, the king of Yakaved is sickly or poisoned or something, and he's like, ah, kill me now with dignity, son. And the bastard son's like, dad. And he's like, oh, can't you do anything right? Stab me through the heart. And then he does, and then he runs off crying. And then Taravantrian's like, well, that guy just committed regicide. There's no way he'll uh, be able to take the throne if he even wanted it, even uh, even if he got over the illegitimacy of his birth. He's going to have to deal with the the regicide. See, so then, you know, King's dying, and he gives a death rattle, but, I mean, more like death prattle, am I right? Who wants to hear this? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> got it. Uh, Taravangian wants to hear it. So he also mentions that Gavilar had visions, which seem to be the same visions that Dalinar is having. So, like, maybe the visions passed on to Dalinar after Gavilar had died. Um, but unfortunately, Taravangian is too dumb today to not feel remorse over the things that he has to do to save the world. And that's it for interludes. So I actually have a question for you, Dave. I sort of, I think I meant to bring it up before, but... It's funny because we've been doing the diagram on our Cosmere podcast for many books now. And when we first started using the term, I think it was before Way of Kings. So I, th- I think you can see why we call it the diagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks, Dave. I, did you hear my bullet points? Yes, I did. Taravangian may serve, but he may not offer binding commentary on the schedule of the Cosmere Deep Dive podcast. That's what's making me bring it up, because I'm like, <laughs> oh, we never really formally talked about why we call it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. I figured it was some kind of Cosmere-y thing. It, it's funny, because when you first started, to, you know, when you, Tori came up with the diagram, first started talking about it, I thought it was like a spoiler thing. And I was like, oh, am I supposed to be listening to them talk about the diagram? Are they s- slipping up? What are they talking about? What is this diagram? And then I realized it was something IRL that we were using to block out our book schedule. And I was like, oh, it's that. I'm like, there must call it the diagram for a reason. Maybe but, some. But then it came back around and it was a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. nope. We floated that one right under the radar. And at one point, Tori had mentioned like a specific part of the diagram with like a drawer, something. I forget exactly what, how you Like the it. words written on the back of a drawer that you had to. Yeah. Yeah, everything came full circle. Or I I assured Dave that it was actually quite hilarious, and he'd get it later. So now that now that it's later, what do you think, Dave? Pretty funny, huh? I don't remember the line, (laughs) but you missed the funny thing that I just said. Please say it again. I heard it. Everything came full circle, or Venn diagram, if you will. Venn diagram. Do ho ho. Chapter seventy six. Okay, chapter five, part five, winds alight, and we have our heading that gives us the preview. It gives us a preview of the viewpoint characters again. And my theory is that this will be the final part because we have the usual suspects plus wit in that list. 
<laughs> oh, so Wit's there, so clearly it must be the final part. Probably. It's also like just looking at my book. And... Also, all the books are five parts. That that is not spoilers. That's just how they're designed. And all, and then also all of the stuff that has to happen pretty soon. Do you, do you smell a Sander avalanche coming or a Sander tsunami? Chapter seventy six: The Hidden Blade. Oh, that's why they call it that. The high storm right. brewing. Uh oh, it's a montage. That's how we know things are getting really serious. Uh, I'm surprised that Tori wrote all these epigraphs with such poor punctuation. Thought you were a librarian, Tori. How could you leave out all the Dang, the call out, Tori. In the That's diagram. Not the, it's not the same diagram. I didn't write that one. It's the diagram. The. There are no. many the diagrams. The. It's a different the diagram. A different the diagram. <laughs> okay. But there's only one the lopen. But, like, if if Tarifangian was so smart, how come he, he, couldn't, he couldn't figure out a comma or a period? Maybe he just had he just needed the space to give him that maybe. Maybe there's no time for any writing really man. fast. Like, have you ever read Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man? Like you get into that stream of consciousness writing and it's it's artistic. They they you know, they do it on purpose. Right, it's artistic and then it should be edited. I agree. I hated Portrait <laughs> of the Artist as a young man. I hated it. So mm-hmm. there's our answer. Tara Vanji didn't have an editor. Uh, he thinks he's too smart for one. I want to be an editor someday. There's no such thing as an author that is so good that they don't need an editor. True. That's what Brandon shouts out. His editors all the time. And his, like, world consistency proof checker. Yeah. He's got a whole team to make him better. Yeah. You know, guaranteed he has his own diagram. There are three of the diagrams that we know about. He has an internal wiki that I really, really want to get access to. I know. That'd be so good. You can ask him when he's a guest star on our podcast. Everyone has asked him. I I don't think we can get access. And I don't want Brandon to be a guest star on our podcast. I want someone from his team to be a guest star on our podcast. Brandon is extremely open about tons of stuff. He does interviews all the time. There is literally nothing we could ask him that would be new. However. I mean, speak for yourself. I would talk to him. But it's. Brandon, if you want to be on our Cosmere podcast, you're welcome. Patreon.com slash CosmereCast. You only need to sign up for the $50 tier. And if you do that, we'll put you on, Brandon. <laughs> Dude, I would I would take him for the lower tier. It's all right. Yeah. We joke. We joke. Anyway. I, I would be too busy fangirling all over him to get anything done that, that day. So I'd just be like, hey, bud, I haven't read half your books. I'm not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should ask some questions strictly related to like words of radiance. And like, don't tell me what happens in the later books. <laughs> but... Yeah, he's just going to rape me. And he'll just be like, I I don't know <laughs> how to the, answer the any of these questions. I'm so Dave. far ahead. Dude, how how funny would that be if we had a section for Dave questions? And then we kick Dave off. And then we, we <laughs> talk to Brandon and be like, did you hear the question that guy asked? <laughs> He'd be like, how does he know so much and so little? <laughs> yeah, that's what he'd be like. But yeah, I think we should all fangirl over Brandon. Like... That, See, that needs to happen. And that's another reason why I don't actually want him on the on the podcast. Someone from his team. Someone from, from Team Dragonsteel. Yes. Yeah, I How would love to both? talk to them. Let's compromise, Mike. Let's get someone we can, we can you know, pick their brain and Brandon. Not together. We can do separate episodes. All right, Craig. Your job 
now, okay, since, okay. since you want this to happen, <laughs> you get Brandon to guess. Like you, you handle all the all the scheduling. You contact him. You do all of that. That's that's that ball is in your court. Yeah. You want this okay. to happen? You make it happen. If I if I get the opportunity, I, I'll make it happen. Because he's actually surprisingly approachable. Extremely. Yeah. And and that's another issue is just he's he's already said all the things that we could possibly want. Like that information exists. Well, I I've come up with some theories that I I think I could. The the, the tricky part is being able to ask questions and not getting rayfoed. It's a fine line. Got to trick him. Like I do. To well, I don't want to trick him. I just want to ask good questions for good content. And like anyway, the thing let's, is, let's... he wants to talk about this stuff, but he also doesn't want to spoil people on upcoming things. Yeah, it's respectable. So, all right, I'm Dave. actually super curious what's going to happen after he finishes all the books. Like then he'll just be willing to talk about everything. But I know he's pretty careful about saying things that are supposed to be canon, but they're not in the books. Like there's word of Brandon. Which seems fine, but but like important things he doesn't typically say, and it's never in a book. That doesn't. It's just side thing. And those are the sort of things that we try to give to Dave when the time is appropriate. Yeah, stuff exactly. that he can't get from the books, like that. Ten soon was the what's his face Condra guy at the, the end of Chief, uh, I thought it was Brit- Britain. Yeah, I think it was Britain, Constable Britain. Like the fact that that was ten soon, you don't get from anything but word of Brandon. Yeah. So, hey Dave, how about this last chapter? Ah, I already started it. Oh, I did talked about the epigraph. Okay, chapter seventy six proper. Oh yeah, Kaladin killed my waifu. Thanks for the reminder. I think I might be her Dazian. The glory of battle. Uh, that's about it. But uh, the one line that Kaladin uh is thinking to himself while talking to the Lopen um which I thought he could have been talking about me. He says, please, he thinks to himself, how much of what he said was to deliberately sound obtuse? Yeah, Dave. What's the end of that? 80 to 90%, I'd say. All right, next scene. All right, so Kaladin's not supposed to get up. He's got a busted leg. and the But he wants to see off his uh, bridge buddies before they go on the assault of the Parshendi lands. So he gets up, and the Lopin's helping him out. And then next scene. Hi, Sabario. Isasic is jelly. Well said, you old turtle. Turtle emoji. Aladar. So um, High Prince Dalinar, you know, as we know, is going to storm the Parshendi lands. And he only expected to have uh, Prince Prince Wussyface to come with him. I forget his name. Roion? Yeah, Royon. Royon. Royal <laughs> Onion. from Elantris. Royal Onion. That's what I called him. Uh, so yeah, he has Prince Royon to go with him, and or Wussy Pants, whatever I called him. And then, you know, like, oh, Sabariel shows up, and he's like, don't forget my cut, and don't forget that I got here before Aladar. And then Aladar is also showing up. Aladar being one of the biggest supporters of Sadius. Uh, is actually going to come with Dalinar as well, and well, and he's you know approaching the staging lines uh, at the end of this part of the montage. And Isasic is like the head cartographer of the camp or whatever, so she's like she's pretty jelly because Shalon draws better maps, and that's so we got four of the ten high princes coming. Yep, and then we get a viewpoint from another one, Sadius. Uh, Sadius isn't going to like this. All right, next scene. Aladar's <laughs> promise. 
Hey, Amaram, let's have a chat with Kaladin for old time's sake. So, you know, Dalinar makes Aladar promise not to betray him, and Aladar's like, what would be the point of that? Like, obviously, I'm like, Ugh. I was like, well, I want to hear a promise from your lips, to blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, uh, so Aladar is just kind of like, well, part of me wants to still believe in honor and all that, and I, I'm not here to betray you. I don't work, I don't work for Sadius. I'm my own man. And so forth. Um, and, uh, you know, with still about half of this chapter left, I'm like, are all of the High Princes going to join up um, with uh, with Dalinar? So, we, I mean, I don't know. They, ha they haven't left yet by the end of Chapter 76. Something more special happens. But the other thing is that Dalinar tells Aladar that, you know, you have to leave your parchment behind because we're going to fight their cousins and we don't want them to turn on us, you know, deep in the Parshendi lands. And I'm just thinking, like, Man, what, like if nine high princes all go forward with Dalinar and leave their parchment behind, it's just going to be like Sadius camp and all of the parchment that are going to go turn in berserk. So maybe like maybe Sadius will get what's coming to him with all the parchment being back at the the uh, war camps. But eh, I don't know. So far, by the end of chapter seventy six, it's only the four high princes. And then next scene, Kaladin likes Adolin. But he really likes Shalon. Don't worry about the king. Moash is on guard duty. An apology is due. All that cholesterol in Dalinar's diet finally paid off. Kaladin realizes that Amaram is the hero of his own story. Alright, so, you know, we had this, uh, the previous scene was Kaladin standing, uh, seeing off his bridge crew, and they're all, uh, and then... Dalinar's like, all right, Amaram, let's go talk to Kaladin. And uh, what we don't realize is that Dalinar is actually giving Amaram, I think I said whatever, Kaladin, ah, Dalinar. Everybody's name is so similar in this book. Amaram, Adolin. High Prince Onion. <laughs> Aladar, Dalinar, Kaladin. Uh, so Dalinar is giving Amaram one final chance to fess up and apologize to Kaladin. Uh, so what, it turned out that, um, the, the secret shard blade that, uh, Talon had, Talon Elanel Stonethenu, Talon, came in with, uh, Dalinar actually took and hid in a cave and had some of his, uh, his crew go and be drinking buddies with Sadius's, or sorry, with Amaram's guys, and kind of spread the story of the the shard blade in the cave. And Dalinar had actually attuned this, uh, I guess this would be an honor blade, correct? Because it's one of the Herald's blades? Yes. Okay. Is this Oathbringer, or was Oathbringer the other sword that he had? I forget. Oathbringer was Dalinar's original sword that he gave to Sadius. Yeah. Okay. Right. But this is Oath, so Oathbringer is not an honor blade, but this is Talonel's blade is an honor blade. Talonel's um, blade is an honor blade. Wait, does that mean Dalinar gets healing powers now? Like uh, Taravangian was talking about in the interlude. He has an honor blade. Anyways, so he had actually attuned the honor blade and then hid it in the cave so that when Sadius goes to steal it, um, he could summon it back from him and. Amaram, knowing that the jig is up, starts summoning his uh, shard blade, but Dalinar gets the honor blade out first. Uh, thankfully, he had um, he had a bad bad cardiovascular health, and his heart rate was up, so he could get his ten heart beats out before Amaram's. 
and uh, yeah, puts him on the spot and be like, and I knew you were a jerk. And then Amram's like, how is uh, how is me killing Kaladin's friends for the greater good and giving the shard blade to those who can actually use it? How's that different from you sending off uh, people to die on the plateaus for gem hearts and stuff like that? And Kaladin kind of comes to the realization like, wow, Amram's a jerk, but he really like he really thought that he was doing the right thing. Um, it's not that he forgives him or anything. He's just like, oh wow, like that's probably he probably thinks it's even more messed. I mean, it kind of is. Well, I don't know. I don't want to say what what's what's better or worse, but uh, just that you know he's kind so, of making the point like, oh well, he did do it for a reason and did think that he was morally in the right by killing all of Kaladin's friends. Journey before destination, man. That's right, Amaram trying to wear that cape, and Kaladin Kara's like, take that cape off. You're no radiant, and uh, Amaram goes off. His uh, reputation finally soiled. He ran out of that stuff that he used to scrub his hands clean like uh, Hoyt was talking about. And then we have a final quick scene. Uh, Sadius is going High Prince shopping. And that's the end of this week's chapters. <laughs> he's like, well, he's like, well we're going to have four vacancies. Let's go find some people to fill those High Prince seats. Someone's <laughs> awfully confident. I so, think we need to shop for a new Sadius. Yeah, after all the parchment kill him off. Can't we just downsize his position? But mom... <laughs> So well, we already have a Sadius at home. Unfortunately, Tori, we like the number 10, so we cannot just get rid of his position. And he's High Prince of Information. He's he's the only High Prince we who has a job. that position. We don't need information. Nah. So, all right. Anything from Dave or for Dave? No, I got nothing. Nah, I don't think so. I don't have anything either, Dave. Nah. Okay, then go away, Dave. Okay, thanks. Bye, bye. Dave. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. All right, what do we have for spoilers? I had a thing before, and I've forgotten it, so... All right, Oh, get wait. some up. I remembered my thing. Oh, what is it? Uh... Teravangian's tester bodyguard person Brown. isn't that yep. isn't that the person we think might be a Chandra? I think he's one of the potentials because I think there is a Chandra that's part of the diagram, isn't there? I, th I think we've been told that before in a word of Brandon. Okay, I'm looking up his uh, copper mine. Mm, it's nothing on his page. Yeah, he says he's a Thalen, which but yeah, he's he's Thalen, but he shaves his head and eyebrows. The key thing when it comes to trying to find a Chandra is that Chandra are bad with hair. They need to actually use someone else's hair if they want to have any kind of facial cover covering. Now, that doesn't stop them. Usually they can digest the body and just use the hair. But it is a if they're just trying to blend in and they made a body of their own rather than digest someone else's, keep an eye out for someone who doesn't have any hair. And morale does not have any hair. Okay, he is a thick-armed Thalen man who shaves his head and eyebrows. He claims that he can simply turn off emotions and stop feeling a certain way. Yeah, that's that's real interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So that was the thing that I that I had from before that I wanted to go into a bit. I don't know that there's anything else there. I th I think it's a a good choice for a Chandra if I had to pick someone. Sure. Unfortunately, we we just don't know. 
Yeah. And I suspect if you were to ask Brandon, we'd get Wraith out. Probably. Unless it Very doesn't cuts. matter anymore, because as of the end of uh, Rhythm of War, I don't know that any of these people matter still. Maybe. We'll see. Well, if the guy is a Chondra and the diagram doesn't matter anymore, I'm sure he'll turn up somewhere. But will he be someone we can recognize? <laughs> at that no. point? Yeah. So oh, I have a lot of spo- spoiler stuff to talk about this week. Hold well, on. Before Fractal you Doggo get into has that. Yeah, yes. I oh, yeah? was going to say that. Go ahead, Tori. Uh, Fractal Doggo on our Discord, who is sometimes called Fel Knight, but currently called Fractal Doggo, uh, points out that in the Lahan interlude, you get a great description of the Oathgate there in Kolinar. Um, you don't realize what's being described until you read Shalon's um, bit in part five, where she finds the Shattered Plains Oathgate, but uh, it's very clearly what we're looking at once you know. So, all right, now, Craig. Well, okay, so we're jumping around here because I actually wanted to talk about both of these chapters. Um, so I guess we'll start with Lahan's interlude. Um, and this this ties together with what Fractodago um, pointed out. But but this is this is the hints that something weird is happening here in Kolinar, that yes. there's a lot of indulgence happening. And, of course, later on we find out it's one of the unmade that's, that's making, uh, that has control of the queen and is making her very indulgent Two unmade there's two unmade specifically in colonar but there's one the revel that the heart of the revel makes uh all this indulgence thing happening now at this point it just sort of seems like you get lazy ardents who are like yeah just we could just coast you know just chill indulge but there there's definitely some unmade influence going on here and this is where we get especially when there's there's rioting happening after um the Ardent is killed. Mm-hmm. The, the new Ardent. Yeah, the Heart of the Revel is a mindless unmade. Just sort of exists and influences people around it. Uh, the other unmade... To indulge! Yes, to basically... Um, I've lost the word. So, and people do nothing but party all the time. Right, and there's a word for that. Hedonism? There we go. Thank you, Tori. I should be better with words. Uh, anyway, yes. Just hedonism. Eat and party do some other stuff like winking and fading out. But I don't know that the Ardents are doing. I don't I don't know if they're breaking their oaths to that extent. But lots of food. Well, Pi certainly thought they weren't sticking to their ideals, but Yeah, but I I don't know about that specific one. Mm. Partially because Brandon is generally fairly uh reserved when it comes to writing sex. And then yeah, we just don't see it. Uh, what's the other unmade? The one that exists in a gem that you have to swallow. Do you guys remember? Um, give me a second. I'll pull it off. that Nergal? No, that's not Nergal. Um, where's the list? Let's see. Ashart Marn is the heart of the rebel. And is it? No, that's the Midnight Mother. Ah, Yelignar. That's the one that you eat. That's the one. And you get access to all the surges. Yeah. Well, you turn into a crystal rock monster. Do you get all of the surges? I think they say you do, but now I'm actually wondering, since we read uh, Rhythm of War, if you get access to uh, adhesion. Okay, maybe not adhesion, but in the middle of a fight, do you really notice the lack? Mm, true. Wait, you guys. Turning into a crystal rock monster is exactly what happens to the bad guys in Dragon Age Inquisition. <laughs> Fatus is part of the Cosmere. Confirmed. So, okay, we have even more things that are Cosmere now. 
So Dave mentioned that he heard the names Moloch and Nergal, which I, I know I'm mispronouncing, but whatever. And just as a recap, Moloch is the one that's doing the death rattles. And as far as we know, that's just a side effect of him being around. Yeah. That's not his primary ability. That's just all we know about what That could be his primary does. ability. Nergal is the one who's the cause of the thrill, which typically sits around with Alethi because they like the fight. So that's fun. But he it's has a been bit of a, to travel. It's a bit of a self-fulfilling thing, though. Yeah, they like, like to fight it, because of the thrill. Is it a chicken and egg thing? Like, yeah. do they like fighting because of the thrill? Or does the thrill like them because they like fighting? The point is, Nergal is not good news. And he's currently in Jakaved. Jakaved, sorry. Um, you know, which is why everything's super bloody and people are dying. Because this is, this is all part of the plan. I disagree. You the... think it's just fun because there's people fighting and that's why he's there? He likes fighting. It's true. He wants he, to he share his mind. love of fighting. That's it. He's on vacation. Sinister. But but tell me this isn't part of Odium's plan. Like I think this fits in with what he wants. Oh sure, but I don't I don't know that we can necessarily ascribe you know a a an evil motive to this specific unmade to he an evil fighting. unmade. I didn't say he was evil. You said he was. Oh, he totally evil. I don't think so. I I think he's he just loves fighting. He loves sharing his love of fighting, and sometimes it goes too far. Like when he has an entire <laughs> nation that is dedicated to constant war, addicted to the the love of fighting that he shares that they call the thrill. And keeping in mind that he will cause people to fight loved ones because they're so blinded by rage. Yeah. Dalinar has come this close to killing um Gavilar earlier. And no, as I'm... we know, that would have been a good thing. <laughs> hey, I'm... journey before destination, man. Get that out of here. I'm with Mike here. I don't think he's actually evil. Uh, I think he's just doing what he do. Like, you know, he's no more evil than a wild tiger eating villagers. Like, it, the thrill is just doing what it does. It's it's living its life. It's, uh, yeah. Uh so, so Nergal is one of the mindless unmade. I, I will admit that he's probably more of a force of nature, if you will. Just rather o- overly than... enthusiastic. He's, yes, he's overly enthusiastic and does like the fight. I don't think it's good, but I think it's a force. And I think it's better off that they're able to capture it at the end of Oathbringer. Oh, no, in the same way that it, I don't think it's evil, it's, it's definitely not good either. It, it's just there. It just and is the heart of the rebel in exactly the same way because it is a one of the mindless unmade. It's just enthusiastic about about hedonism. I think this is sort of the issue that we have is that um, up until I will say Oathbringer, you just sort of assume the unmade are evil because they're part of Odium's forces. But it it feels like there's something else going on there that I think was rewritten through history. Like, the fact that they captured Bay Edo Mishram and it has caused some weird overall effect to the planet is sort of telling that these unmade are more than than what we currently know. So And Sajanat, who's just not corrupting Spren, although they will, they will call it corruption, she doesn't think of it as corruption. Yeah, so I was actually going to say, of the unmade that we know about, we have one who's just trying to convey information, as far as we can tell. We have one that just loves fighting. Just loves fighting. Wants to share its love of fighting. We have another 
big fan of hedonism, wants to share that. Those those last two, at, at bare minimum, literally can't be evil because they don't have minds. They aren't sentient. Um, and then we don't know enough about Death Rattle Guy. Ja so, not. So what you're saying, they just like to spread, they just want to spread their, they yeah. want to share. So they in the share. same way that, you know, the Stormfather killing people with high storms isn't an inherently evil act, it's just his nature. Um, yeah, we can't really, we can't really blame these two for this. Should they be free to do this whenever they want? Probably not. There should be some level of control here, but we, we shouldn't ascribe motive to them, basically. Mm. Uh, so Ja Anat gave, as far as we can tell, a good faith warning to Shallan. Seems to be at least somewhat on Team Radiant and very much anti-Odium. At least anti-Race, because she helped distract right. distract him so Taravangian could kill him. And I don't know that she knew that, like, Teravangium would take up the, the shard. Right. Like, she may have actually hoped that, you know, the shard would just sit. Gosh dang, I really want to read KOW. There's so much we don't know about the effects of I hope it's just named Cow. The shard, what? Cow? Just Cow. To Cow. To Cow. Or Cout. Yeah. King of Way, the. <laughs> yep. Um, and then, who else do we? We have the Midnight Mother who also doesn't actually seem to be, like, inherently aggressive, just well, she trying to made, learn things. She makes the weird, like, panther, shadow panther things. But 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 she's doing it to try to understand humans and animals. Yeah. That's so, her way of trying to understand. So, yeah, just trying to learn. Uh, Who else we got? We got Bae... We have the Dust Mother, which we don't know anything about. We got Baedo Mishram, who the hasn't Black shown Fisher, up. which we don't know anything about. That might be... The one weird spread with all the faces in the Way of Kings interlude. That was that. I was thought the that was Midnight that Mother. No, no, no. Midnight Mother was in the tower. the The Black Fisher might be trapped in that bay mm. in some way. Like that could be what's going on there. We don't know. But that was a theory I heard from someone. If you're the someone who told me that theory, please let please remind me so I can give you proper credit. Um, who else do we have? More spoilers or more unmade. More unmade. So, by Mishram. Part of the Revel, Bay Edo Mishram, Dust so. Mother, Black Fisher, Moloch, Nergul, Reship Re here, which is the Midnight Mother. Yep. Uh, Sajanat, Taker of Secrets, and Yelignar, which is the Eating Surge one. Right. Um, yeah. So, by Edo Mishram hasn't shown up in modern day, so mm, we can't sweet. actually trust any information we have about him. Uh, but there's a good chance he was manipulated by. Um, Ishar, assuming that Ishar is is and so has been that guy. Captured, as far as we know, in a perfect gem, and right. Kalik was there during the capture. One of the heralds, and the capture thereof uh, broke a bunch of stuff. Like so yeah, much stuff broke. Very interesting that that's the case. And yeah, one of the things the sibling is pushing for at the end of Rhythm of War is free find and free by Edomishram. Because no one deserves to be trapped in a in a gemstone gem. prison for forever. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not as crucial to free the heart of the rebel or um, thrill guy. I worry about what will happen when they free this one though, because do you guys know that myth about the genie in the bottle? It's like I know of Aladdin. I no, know no, you can't uh, wish for more wishes. Yeah, so... can't raise anyone from the dead because he doesn't like it. No, 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 no. Kid finds a bottle. 
breaks it open and there's genie inside and the genie's like and now i will kill you and the kid's like wait hang on i thought i was supposed to get wishes and the genie's like okay look when i was first trapped in here i was so angry i was like if anyone lets me out i'm gonna kill them and then after I'd been trapped a little longer, I was so desperate to get out. I was like, oh, if anyone lets me out, I'm going to offer them so many rewards. And then I was going to offer them more rewards. And and then finally, I was just in here so long, I got angry again. So I decided I was going to kill whoever let me out. And it's you. And in, in the story, the kid manages to trick the genie back into the bottle and close it again. But the yeah. That sounds like a, a safer retelling of a... You know how like all the old fairy tales are like someone or something dies right i'm sure yeah if this was the grim tale then probably he really died well the the theme of the grim fairy tales is don't go into the forest or you'll die you know if the forest is full of wolves and bears and crap yeah good good moral so um may we move on yes i have a lot to get to yes so taravangian uh, i wanted to talk briefly about the diagram and his plan because I'm going to be honest, guys, especially from this interlude, um, I feel like they don't do a lot of what the diagram sets. Like, they, they always are like, okay, for example, this chapter, and he has his little chat with Seth, and he's like, okay, we got to keep Seth away from the Surge Binder, because if they interact, it's bad for us. And what ends up happening? They interact, and they lose Seth. Like, I feel like everything that goes wrong, because they think they're following the diagram, uh... It, it goes wrong. Or, like, the diagram's like, you could either be friends with Dalinar, or you could betray him. Taravangian chooses to betray him. Guess who's more successful in that? Dalinar. He, the diagram is always choosing the wrong path. I could argue against that last point. No, I... As a result of... According betray- to the diagram... Hold on. As a result of betraying um, Dalinar, Taravangian is now a shard holder. Uh, right, the two, so I want to get to that. I want to get to that. Teravangian won. I think the ultimate goal of the diagram was the capacity to save hum- humanity. Like, that was what he asked for. That was what the diagram was originally written for. Um, however, that's not what happens at all. Instead, what happens is what you said, which is Teravangian gets a shard. So, the big question is, was the diagram incredibly accurate along this path or was it just so much wrong and cultivation was the one who was right okay before we get into that uh i have a point about your phrasing so the capacity to save humanity is what he asked for from cultivation yes that was not the diagram the diagram is the plan to save humanity yes correct the two are separate right yeah i would say the capacity is is what cultivation grants him what he thinks is the result of that becomes the diagram, but that's not necessarily... Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm going with this, is yeah. I think the yeah, end result of him taking up the Shard of Odium is, is that wish coming true, basically. He now has the capacity to save humanity because mm. he now controls the force that was threatening humanity. Right. Um, so then the big question is, was the diagram actually correct and it's what led him on this path or was the diagram just wrong and it was just cultivation's plan that he gets the shard the diagram and his deviations from it were cultivation's plan to get him to this point 
Hmm. It is interesting that the the scenes that we see in, in Oathbringer and uh, Rhythm of War, where Odium interacts with Teravangian, it's his quote-unquote worst days. It's where he's the most compassionate. Mm-hmm. Um, which, passion, compassionate, obviously intentional, both on Odium's part, but I also think on Cultivation's part as well. I think I think Teravangian being compassionate is one of the most important things that needed to happen. It provided him a connection to the Shard of Passion. Yeah. Which allowed exactly. him to take it up at the right time. Anywho, um, yeah, I would say Cultivation of the Living Shards, whose names we know, uh, probably has the best future site, just based on the, the whole core concept there. Yeah, uh, I, I would I was say amb- Ambition probably had the best, but that didn't save it so um maybe all of this is ambition's plan ultimately <laughs> so so that was one of the things I, I brought up i was reading a uh a post on the cosmere subreddit about cultivation and her plans and it really made me think about cultivation itself and i'm like you know in terms of the shards with the names that we know cultivation's all about putting a little seed tiny little seed and watching it grow into something huge in order to do that you would need really good future sight because i feel like cultivation is all about like the most minor of effects that lead or sorry the most minor of um just planting a seed so the most minor thing you can do that leads to the greatest effect and so i think because of that cultivation has excellent future sight i think preservation's future sight was one better than ruins and two pretty good but now I'm starting to think that cultivation is better in, in future sight uh, versus preservation, who's the only I, other one we've known. That I'm has absolutely such a long certain of that. I'm a hundred percent certain that that cultivation. I, I'm pretty sure preservation's future sight is garbage compared to I don't, most. I don't of the think rest it's the garbage. He he had some long term planning that he happened was better over than ruin, of... but that's not saying much. Well, not against ruin, but but think about the time scale. Well, I guess. Okay, so the time scale in terms of shards is like nothing, but from what we saw, wasn't it like a thousand years that the Lord Ruler ruled for? Like, the whole plan of the well refilling and being able to get the the numbers and everything, like, there's some long-term stuff happening there. Sure, but not on shardic scale. Not and, on shardic scale, And right. again, the only comparison here is preservation versus ruin, not either of them versus any other shards future site. Although I'm playing my own devil's advocate here. The only thing we've seen cultivation do is plant the seeds with one person. Like she does something to Dalinar. So that way he remembers, uh, Eve, uh, e- Evie. Yeah. Evie. Um, that he remembers her right before Odium approaches him to be a champion or he plants the, or she plants the seed of Taravangian where he'll eventually hold the shard. Like everything's within the span of someone's lifetime. So we we don't we don't know how far her her plans go, but it did eventually lead to race being killed. And also lift. She had a direct hand in lift. Right, but we don't know what we, that means yeah, yet. We don't know where that's going yet. Yeah. Uh, the other the other thing that I was gonna say about this sort of thing is we have you know, I guess smaller scale versions of it in all the stuff Hoyd has done. Like Hoyd is mm-hmm. doing this exact thing throughout the Cosmere mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. showing up, telling a story, saying the right thing to the right person, and yep. then he's out of the story 
but he's nudged things in just the right direction to do what so he it's, wants. So it's very cultivation-esque. Right. So is Future Sight a product of the shards they hold, or is it something they had before they picked up the shards? Because Hoyd has it. Hoyd has well, access to Fortune. We know Sazed has it too, though. So, Sazed has Future Sight. My argument here is that it is a product of the shards, but it is not exclusive to the shards. We've definitely seen other people with future sight. So yeah. anybody burning Atium, um, Renarin has future sight enough to block Odium seeing anything he does. Well, I would argue any future sight will block anyone else's future sight. It's just the way it interacts. Right. But then that becomes a product of like how much information you have access to and how good you are at future sight. Mm, yeah. So, like, with enough information, even without future sight, you can make a pretty good guess of what someone's going to do, as seen in the diagram. And now we see why V didn't say no future looking. Anywho, um, yeah, there's there's multiple aspects to it, and I think cultivation has most of that locked down better than any other shard. Right. I, think... I can't. Maybe maybe someone like Invention would have decent future sight. But I can't see the ones that we've actually met, or at least what, what planets we've on. I can't imagine anyone would be better than Cultivation. I think Vargodium might give her a run for her money. Yeah, but he he's holding the Shard of Passion. He himself might be able to do a decent job, but I That's feel like I'm we're going to get a limit. I, I feel like he's going to reach a limit that Cultivation can just surpass. If She's just better at Future Sight. If he relies just on the Shard of Future Sight, I'd agree with you. I don't think he's going to. I think he's also going to supplement that with his extraordinary intelligence, with the information he has available to him, which is far, far mm. superior to almost anyone else, really. Yeah. Like, I think he knows better than to just rely on uh, fortune. So so the big question is, should we be more scared of him holding the shard than race? Probably. <laughs> it makes me very uncomfortable. I... I like this development because we just didn't know much about race and we may not have had much opportunity to learn about him had this not happened. And right. the more you know about your big bad, the more intimidating they can be. You know, And that's a, that's a good point, Mike, because we looked at Mistborn and we sort of learned about Ruin over time, but you didn't really get to see him as a character until the third book. Whereas we've been watching Taravangian since Way of Kings. And now he is the one who holds the shard that we're scared. Like, so we know the powers of the shard, and now we also know the person. So, yep. And that's since how Way of Kings, he grew significantly more sinister with each book. Right. Turns out he had been that sinister the whole time. We just didn't have all the information. But he does, which means that he's great at future sight. Boom. Again, Bot brought her back I want to read Kotal. Co. Kot. Kaut. Kaut. Kauti. I want to read it. All right. Uh, what else we got? You said you had a bunch. Uh, I did. I do have a bunch. Um, something else I was thinking about that I wanted to bring up with you guys. Uh, unrelated, unfortunately, to Words of Radiance, but we were just talking about preservation and ruin. Um, this was some thinking I did over the course of the week, and it happened to just coincide with some posts on the subreddit. Um, but I wanted to talk briefly about Lurassium, the beat, and what it does. Because it's, it's very interesting, because when you first think about it, it's like, oh... It gives you access to Allomancy. But what does that mean exactly? Um, means you and I, I do have an answer. But and would burn it and get superpowers? Right. So you guys maybe remember my discussion way back when about connection. 
And Loracium, what it does is gives you connection to preservation. So the way Allomancy works, um, the metals themselves don't necessarily matter. They're not invested. What happens is the metal is sort of a key that determines the effect that you can do. But the investiture is power through preservation. And this is why it's of preservation, because you're not using up anything that's that's you're not using up investiture yourself. You're using preservation's investiture. So uh, Allomancy for the, the metals themselves are just a key to tell you what the effect is. But the investiture comes from preservation. But in order to do that, you need to ha have a connection with preservation. Loracium, what it does is give you connection to preservation. That's just what it does. And that's why you become such a strong Mistborn when you first ingest it. And it just happens to be genetic that it passes on genetically. That's just the way it works. Okay. Um, I have one thing. We're going to get, we're gonna get uh, like one more thing of Xyle soon, right? They're coming up, yes. In the next couple of chapters, somewhere. Hang on, I'm scrolling. So my guess that Dave would figure out who Xyle is before the end of the book, before Nightblood shows up, has one more shot. I think I think I might lose this one, guys. Yep. I think I might lose this one. And which of you guessed when Nightblood shows up? And then which of you guessed after? Tori. Tori's got that one. Okay. I think she has a good chance. I think she has a decent chance. Um, I had I had more, Mike. You, I wasn't done. Sorry. Because I wanted to talk about ATM. Okay. I had a reason for bringing up Loracium. I just wanted to put it out there. It's a connection with preservation. ATM is a little weird because it gives you that like little bit of future sight. So what if that just happens to be a side effect of ATM giving you connection with Ruin? From what I remember, those that like burn ATM, I mean, okay, so that would be what the, the uh, what are they called? The instigators? The Mistfallen. Not the Mistfallen. Although they're the ones who specifically burn uh, ATM. I'm talking about the, the Impaled Inquisitors. Inquisitors? Inquisitors, thank you. They're pretty destructive. I mean, it's it's hemorrhagic spikes, so of course that's the, they're going to be of ruin. But but yeah, ATM getting, itself, they're getting a like, huge might load be a of connection with ruin, and the side effect of that is little bits of future sight. Like we're talking like ten seconds of future sight. But oh. ATM itself might just be connection with ruin, and that's what it does. The Inquisitors, by way of hemorrhagic spikes, are getting ruin's influence multiplied by however many spikes they have. So, so, so what I'm getting at is I feel like all of the god metals, if you burn them, they just give you connection with a particular shard, whatever shard it is that you're burning. That's, that's what I'm getting at, because we know Loracium is connection to preservation. I am suggesting maybe Atium is connection to Ruin, and therefore, if you do any god metal, it's going to be connection to that god. They just have different effects based on what the the shard is so what we need is hoid to come through navani's lab and just start eating stuff yes, <laughs> to, to, to find the god metal well there's the raise raisium raisium yeah there's there's definitely some of that um and then like and i think we get some honor metal in there too well if he could break off a piece of a shard blade and chew on that for a minute a break it would probably hurt a lot friend. and then b uh, it would either be, um, holy crap, what was Honor's holder's name? Tanavastium? Tanavast. Uh, or Cultivation's holder's name. I don't think we got a name for her yet, but that. Or both. 
Okay, so we got we got a word of Brandon here, fractal doggle, fractal doggo. I can't say that very fast. Uh, dug it up about what ATM does, and it's ATM is giving you um, a look into the spiritual realm. That's that's how the future site works. And when he burned it with Duralium, it, it, he looked into the spiritual realm. But that doesn't necessarily negate that it's not connection with ATM, or sorry, uh, connection with Ruin. I mean, the shards exist within all three realms, and that's just, I think I think ATM the effect happens to be you get future sight, but I think it's connection with Ruin. You get future sight for just long enough to only really be useful in a fight. Yeah, which is a very Ruiny thing. I mean, no matter what, you're burning Ruin's body, so it's it's got to be related to him in some way. So. All right. Um, something to think about. I don't know if we're ever going to see other, like they can't. You can't even burn, say, um, harmonium or whatever it's called, at metal. If it meets the same naming structure, it would be Cezedium. But that's yeah, he doesn't like kind that. of a bad name. Yep. Um. So yeah. I like harmonium. I think that sounds good. It does. But it's called at metal. Okay. And I can hear where they get at metal from because Cezedium, you know, like ed edium. At Say Zedium Edium. Okay. Just Ed and Eddie Metal. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's all I had for spoilers this week. Good, because I was going to go ahead and call us for the week because we've been going for a bit. I had the, the, this the interludes this week. I think were sort of juicy in terms of future stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Dave has no idea all the setup we're getting here. Yeah. The uh, we really didn't get anything out of the uh, I interlude this week. Which is a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's a lot of good. Well, you, you get that she's hearing screams, so you could tell that Eshenai's actual identity is is upset over her storm form, and that Vinley happens to be better at it. Hmm. Yeah, that's not ominous at all. Yeah. But so this is stuff that we get payoff in Rhythm of War, no less. That that particular interlude. We begin I... to get payoff. We still haven't yeah. fully paid it off because we still don't know what the deuce is going on there. As I said before, we get. A character's, you know, four or um, past chapters in one book, and then the next book we get the actual character development. All right, uh, Tori, do you have anything to finish us off with? No, I don't. Okay, then I say we call it here. Good night, okay. Internet. Bye. Bye, everybody. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.